having empathized, we still got to go to truth. We've got to go to forgiveness. We've got to go to reconciliation. People say no justice, no peace. Well, if there's no reconciliation, there's no peace either. So we've got to do the whole counsel of God. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef, and each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. I'm thankful to be back with you today. Uh, The break was good, but it wasn't necessarily a vacation. Uh, I've been busy recording new candid conversations just for you all, and we're excited to share these new episodes with you. Today's episode is a conversation I had recently with Dr. Tony Evans about the church's role in racial reconciliation. I have learned so much from Dr. Evans through the Urban Alternative over the years, and it was such an honor to have him on Candid Conversations. He has been sharing so much godly wisdom on social media, on issues of race and identity, And his ministry has drafted a plan called A Kingdom Strategy for Community Transformation to help churches come together for racial healing, leading to community transformation. We have posted links to these resources in the show notes. I hope you will prayerfully review these and share them with your local church. Now, let's listen to this candid conversation. Dr. Evans, uh, I want to take a minute to introduce you to our candid listeners. Dr. Tony Evans is the senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, a 9,500-member church. He is also a renowned speaker, author, and has a widely syndicated radio and television program, The Urban Alternative. Most importantly, he is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Dr. Evans, welcome to Candid Conversations. Thank you. Good to be with you, Jonathan. We are honored to have you on the program today to discuss the racial tension in our country and how the church can help facilitate healing. Dr. Evans, I have watched and read your recent posts on racial issues in our nation, and I've learned so much from them. The links that you've sent out, we're going to put on our show notes in this episode so that people can watch them and, and read your articles as well. I know you've faced overt personal and systemic racism as a black man, even in the church. Can you take a minute and just help our listeners understand the difference between personal and systemic racism? Yeah, well, personal racism is when a person intentionally or sometimes unintentionally uses their influence or power or resources or even their communication to suppress or to ignore or to reject another person based on their color, their ethnicity. Systemic racism refers to a structure that's in place, whether that structure is official or unofficial, that keeps people from being able to maximize their divinely created potential because of race. A person can be involved in systemic racism that is be part of a structure and not be a personal racist. And that's where sometimes when people say, well, I'm not a racist, that may totally be true, but what may be being referenced is a structure. 
not that individual. But they get conflated so that there gets to be a lot of confusion and definition and accusation because of lack of clarity. And we're seeing a lot of, in some respects, both uh, these days. I've heard you say that your father's faith kept you from becoming bitter. He taught you to define yourself not by how people feel about you, but about who God says you are. How did your father teach you this, and how have you taught your children the same principle? Well, my father's passion was uh, his identity in Christ, and he wanted to make sure that I viewed everything through that grid first and that everything would be measured by my identity in Christ. And so he would do that through direct teaching. He would do that through pointing uh, pointing that out in a segregated Baltimore when I was growing up mm. by always bringing me back to that ID card. I've tried to do that with my own family to make Galatians 2.20 our point of reference mm. that everything would be viewed through our Christian lens mm. and that while God recognizes and has intentionally created multiplicity of ethnicities and colors and cultures, that his design and desire is that all of them would be filtered through his son. And so when things came up racially or culturally in my home, I would start with the point of reference, Jesus Christ, and filter it down to the situation, not let the situation define our identity You know, we're obviously facing so many divisions in our nation right now, and you've mentioned them in the the things that you've written and and spoken about, the cultural divisions, the class divisions, the race divisions, the gender divisions. Is this something we will always have in our world because of sin, or are some of these things that can be overcome? Well, a lot of this problem of race in particular was sanctioned by the church. If the church had not sanctioned slavery, if the church in the South had not sanctioned Jim Crow, Mm. uh, then it would have set a different temperature in the culture. But when the church failed to do what the Bible says to do, particularly with other believers, I mean, you're in Atlanta. I was with Billy Graham a number of years ago, and he was having a crusade in Atlanta coming up, and and, uh, he was saying to me, he's a little discouraged, and I asked him why. He said, well, the churches are going to come together for my crusade, because he would not have segregated crusades, of course, but he says, my burden is when the crusade is over, they will go back to their separate ways. And that was his burden. The failure of the church to be the one body of Christ in purpose, not uniformity, but in purpose, be the one body of Christ, has been the greatest uh, hindrance to racial unity in the country that we have. Mm. You've posted recently a quote about black Christians live in two worlds, partaking of black heritage experiences and theological influences of white evangelicals, and the importance of that having that voice. I wonder if you could flesh that out a little bit more for us. Yes, well, a black evangelical is a is a unique creature <laughs> because we are theologically conservative. We believe in inerrancy. We believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe in the authority of Christ. So, so we would hold to the fundamentals of our faith and the normatively accepted evangelical tenets. 
at the same very same time, we're part of a community and a culture that has had to battle with this issue of race and racism and those structural evils that emanate from it. And that has created a sensitivity and an emphasis on justice that the broader Christian community has not had to hold, at least to that degree. And so you must biblically hold to a evangelical conservative theology, which places you in the white conservative camp, while simultaneously being sensitive to the social realities that we face. And as a result of that combination, it can put you in two worlds at one time to be accepted by some in both and rejected by some in both. And how important is it to bring that conversation to the forefront with what you've just said? You know, how much of the black evangelical group needs to be speaking out and drawing attention to these things? Well, I don't think you could see the George Floyd situation and be covert. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, mean, this is front page news. You can't ignore it anymore. It has upended the culture. It cannot be ignored. You know, on our website at uh, TonyEvans.org, we put up a three-point plan. I think what God has done is he's created a divine disruption in order that Christ be not come. There might be a divine reset. This is really the church's greatest opportunity because the culture doesn't have answers. Mm. And if the churches across racial and cultural lines would come together, those pastors for solemn assembly, then annually bring their congregations together so there is a coalescing of the Christian community, if they would speak with one voice about righteousness and justice, since Psalm 89, 14 says, from God's kingdom comes both, and they must always walk side by side. And then if they will do good works together, adopting every public school, adopting the local police precinct, or a myriad of other things, but they do it together, then we would have a visual statement of unity that the culture would have to interact with. Right now, the culture doesn't have to interact with us because we don't take seriously John 17 and Jesus' high priestly prayer. But this is something any community of believers can do, and we're here through an urban alternative. We can facilitate it if they want to do it, but we must do more than talk. One of the keys to racial reconciliation is not having a seminar on racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. The key to reconciliation is to serve together to help somebody or someone's worse off than we are. And we'll get to know one another while we help somebody else. So we're reconciling through service, not through seminars. Mm. Right now, it's um, difficult to have conversations about race um, out of fear of offense or, or, or making a bad situation worse. How can we respectfully approach conversations about race that are helpful and healing and not destructive? Well, we have to have truth married to love. And by love, I mean there must, there needs to be empathy to the real pain of history. Now, we know it's been carried too far with looting and, and rioting and, and violence uh, on one hand. At the same time, there are real issues. And so it's like, um, how shall I say it? I have four children. Mm. If one of my children has been going through a painful time, then I will focus on that child. That does not mean I don't love my other kids, but there has been this unique situation with this one child. And therefore, I want to give them some special attention because right now that child's life matters. Mm. 
When we fight for the life of the unborn, we say that the life of the unborn matters. We do not mean other lives don't matter. We mean that is a special unjust situation in the womb. So Black Lives Matter as an emphasis, not as an entity, but as an emphasis, is an appropriate emphasis when it's married to empathy because you sit down long enough to learn, to understand what I've gone through, what others have gone through, the pain, the struggle. Uh, you know, I was told by radio stations that, um, you know, before James Dobson intervened, uh, we can't, it'd be too risky to have a black speaker. So we were boxed out. That was a system that was in place. So people need to know some of the pain of a John Perkins and the abuse he took in Mendenhall, Mississippi, and, and the legacy of poverty in some of these communities due to injustice. They need to be able to empathize with it. But Having empathized, we still got to go to truth. We've got to go to forgiveness. We've got to go to reconciliation. People say no justice, no peace. Well, if there's no reconciliation, there's no peace either. So we've got to do the whole counsel of God. And so if evangelically minded leaders would come to the table with a biblical approach to this issue, uh, when I wrote the book Oneness Embrace to try to give a biblical framework for race and justice and the kingdom if we would do that kind of thing and then come out with steps and action points, then we would do much, much better than simply react and have discussions like the culture is doing. Yes. And um, we are going to post in the show notes uh, the link from your website, TonyEvans.org, a kingdom strategy for community transformation. But another question I have is, you know, you talked about bringing the churches together. And I guess a question that comes more to the root of that is, we do churches. I think Sunday morning is the most segregated time. People have often said um, there are black churches and white churches. Should we be pushing for more integrated churches? No, we should be pushing for more cooperating churches. <laughs> uh, people will choose churches based on comfortability. They'll choose churches based on location. They'll choose churches based on style of preaching and singing. That's called freedom. You know, we, we, we have the freedom to worship where we want. Now, a church shouldn't ignore the people in the community in which it is situated. So uh, serving the people in your community, regardless of their race, should be a priority of a church. But to mandate integration is not what we want. What we want to do is mandate cooperation. Unity, biblical unity is oneness of purpose, not uniformity of persons. And so if we can develop a plan of cooperation toward a common goal, then we've achieved our goal, whether or not the individual churches are integrated or not. Mm. And again, we're going to have that strategy posted in our notes. Dr. Evans, Another thing I'm thinking is, you know, the Bible's quite clear about self-control, the examining of our own hearts. How do we address racism in our hearts, whether it's uh, overt or covert? Well, first of all, I mean, Martin Luther King's statement says it best. Do I measure people by the content of their character or the color of their skin? Right. Do I look at a person based on divine guidelines, mm. not cultural nuances that I was raised with? Whenever my earthly father can trump my heavenly father, then we are way off base. And uh, we must do like Jesus did with the woman of Samaria. He told her, even though she was raised a certain way, he told her she was wrong. Uh, Your parents didn't raise you correctly. There must be a radical return to truth, starting with our leaders, because a mist in the pulpit is always going to be a fog in the pew. So 
if our leaders cannot be clear on this issue to train our people, then how do we expect our people to believe right, think right, and act right? But when you recognize that you have stereotyped a group of people or you are judging people based on appearances only, you confess that as a sin, you begin to walk differently and set up your new guidelines for how you will relate people based upon the biblical guidelines of character and integrity and honesty and responsibility and all the things that God calls us to. And then you look at that because this thing is so sensitive. I'll give you a little uh, illustration. Um, I was uh, with a, a gentleman uh, who I knew, and he called me boy. Mm. Well, obviously that's an offensive term because of the mm. history. Of, uh, I know he's white, I'm black, I'm older than he is, and he referred to me as boy. So I, I felt a little offensive. I didn't say anything. A few minutes later, a friend of his came in and he called him boy too. Well, immediately it changed how I felt because I was feeling personally attacked or disrespected. When it became clear, when his friend came in, this is just how he talked, guys. First Thessalonians talks about some people are weak and be patient with them. We got to be a little patient because some of this is unknown, is not meant. And so people are walking on eggshells. Uh, uh, and so we, we, we have got to give some deference if we're going to have some growth. At the same time, the other side must be willing to be exposed, to learn, and to grow in light of what we're taking place. We've adopted the local police station in our area, and we're help, helping other churches to do the same. And they are so excited that we will serve as a bridge, a repairer of the breach between the police department and the community because the churches which are located in every community can help these conversations take place and can build bridges that are desperately needed for unifying in our communities. Mm. And it's kingdom perspective. And I love that you use that terminology with your ministry and your books. Um, it's true. You know, when we have a kingdom perspective, everything really changes, right? E even the views that Absolutely. we've been handed down to us through parents or, or, uh, any kind of heritage, all of that is transformed. And that's that's refreshing to hear. Well, Dr. Evans, um, I know you're a very busy man, and um, I will ask you to to close us in prayer. But the, the first thing I want to say is, is there anything else that you would like to share with uh, our candid listeners today? Yeah, I just would like to, to uh, well, thank you and your father for, for the quality ministry that y'all are providing to so many people. And I would like to say that Second um, Chronicles 15, 3 to 6, it says the world was in turmoil and it says God troubled them with every kind of distress. If God is your problem, only God is your solution. And it says in verse four, when the people in their distress sought God, he let them find him. We need to find God. And uh, if we will take God seriously, this could be the greatest movement of the church in our lifetime as we pursue him and we fulfill his prayer in John 17. Well, Dr. Evans, would you close us in prayer? I'd be honored to. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to pray and to praise, to give you the glory to your name and the name of your risen son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord, to invade your people, to invade our churches, to invade our leaders, and to give us a kingdom mindset for addressing this human issue. You made it clear in Acts 17 that you've only really created one race with a whole multiplicity of ethnicities. May the church model what the kingdom of God was created to be and what in eternity it will be by how we function today. 
And now may we use this open door of opportunity for the good news of the gospel, for the unity of the church, and for the impact in the culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dr. Evans, uh, as I told you at the beginning, I've been blessed through uh, the Urban Alternative and listening for years, and uh, we're so grateful for your ministry. Um, Our prayers are with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information on today's guest, Dr. Tony Evans. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Thanks for listening.